Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And uh, today I have my pastoral residence with me. I've got Kevin, Bryson, and Alex. Say hi, guys. What's going on, guys? And we are going to let you in on something that we do every week. And it's kind of, you know, one of the things that we call it is our air war meeting. And um, we kind of think about the church having an air war, which is the teaching ministry from the stage and all the podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And then we have a ground war. And the ground war is our mission of communities, fight clubs, uh, et cetera, life on life discipleship. So in our air war meeting, uh, we talk about the sermon uh, every single Monday. I just we sit down here with uh, the residents and and Joel and usually Sam's over here and we say, "All right, what do you think about the sermon?" And we kind of chop it up a little bit. So that's what we're gonna do. That's how we're gonna start. We're gonna let you guys in on this and uh, welcome and maybe go a little bit farther beyond the sermon as well. In this, uh, if, if any of the guys have any questions on uh, some of the topics from the first week in our fundamentals series on the mission of God. So guys, what were your thoughts? Thoughts on the sermon? Before we got serious, there's a garbage truck back here, but uh, also, uh, I know you are in jiu-jitsu and all that, but have you been working on your karate moves and Mr. Miyagi's squatting down flies and, and wasp or what? Okay. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Jesus, my hero, is a snake killer, right? He's Mm -hmm. all about taking dominion over creation, Mm -hmm. right? Protect, you know, supposed to be a shepherd, protecting sheep, all that kind of stuff, right? So when I see a wasp come near my children, I snatch that thing out of (laughs) midair, and I throw it in the ground, and I don't even think about it. I don't even care that I'm on stage in front of everybody, Right, right. right? So during baptism yesterday, this freaking huge wasp comes flying out of the rafters, and I snatched it, threw it down on the ground, and stepped on it, killed it. Well, unbeknownst to me, I don't know if it's its husband or whatever, I'm preaching, and here comes another one. Huge. And uh, I didn't real I, I didn't even it just I just reacted. I didn't even think about it. I just <laughs> like Mr. Miyagi just grabbed it out of the air. I just threw it down. It, threw it down and it took off. And then I realized I, then I was kind of laughing at myself, you know, because everybody else kind of laughed. And I was kind of laughing at myself, and I was like, I did that with my left hand. <laughs> I was kind of like, whoa, that was kind of impressive. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my, my, my kids thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, when, when we got home, they thought that was pretty cool. Was but good. it's just a natural. My son was like, Dad, you got to teach me how to do that. How do you do that and not get stung? Man. So, yep. That was, a, that was a funny moment, wasn't it? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hmm. Well, I think about the sermon. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was cool to start with the mission of God. I think you even said something like, none of this, this whole thing doesn't exist unless there is a mission of God. Um, so, yeah, and then it almost seemed like you phrased it like, Everything else we talk about for the next, is it 15 weeks? Yep. Is um, almost like a branch off of the tree of the mission of God. Mm-hmm. 
And then there was another, I think you said it towards the end. Um, if you're born twice, you die once. If you die, tw- born once, you die twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, was like, I, I never thought of that before. It was. That was coming off right off of, you know, Revelation um, 21, where Jesus said, talking about those who don't, you know, believe in him, hmm. um, lake of fire, blah, 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 blah. And this is the second death. Yeah. That's what he, that's what Jesus called it there in Revelation, the second death. And so that's where, and Jesus talked about being born again. Mm. So <laughs> Jesus, you know, uh, you can be, you can be born more than once and you can die more than once. And so hmm. the goal is to be born twice and die once, right? Oh. Instead of being, uh, born once and dying twice and experiencing eternal separation with God. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think if God doesn't have a mission, um, nothing exists. We don't exist. The church doesn't exist. And the church um, the church only exists because God has a mission, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have a mission necessarily, just on, like on our own. God has a mission, and he has a church for his mission. He didn't create a church and then like, okay, I need something for them to do. And then I gave him a mission. Mm -hmm. He had a mission, and so his mission needed a church. A people in a place. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. New heavens and new earth, which is the end result of his mission, there's a people in a place. So it makes sense that his mission now would have a people in a place. Right? His mission would always have a people in a place. Yeah. It always did. Whether it was all... In the Garden of Eden, whether it was Abraham, whether it was Noah, whether it was David, there was always a people and there was always a place. Promised land, the temple, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. These temples. And so today we've got, a, you know, same thing, people in a place. And that's why our MCs, when you choose a mission, you're choosing a people in a place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I really appreciated you uh, reverse engineering the end of the story. I think... Well, you guys were preaching through Revelation shortly before I came, uh, moved up here. And so that was really, I think the first week we were here was when you talked about, I think you were going through Revelation 21, talking about, Mm -hmm. yeah, new heavens, new earth, uh, two trees of life. And um, and so just, I I think it's unique to be in a church that preaches about the end times um, in a biblical way. Yeah, not a crazy way. Yeah, not a crazy way. Um, and so I just really appreciated not only did you, did you do that in Revelation, but you saw an opportunity to go back and, or so in the Revelation series, but you also saw an opportunity to come back to it again to remind us where we're headed. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I said it several times. I was like, kids, listen, mm. kids, pay attention, you know, because I was, I was trying to shepherd children to know where we're headed, mm. which it's way cooler than more than likely what's in their imagination right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to form their imagination yeah. around something that's actually biblical mm. and exciting and interesting and, you know, desirous. Like, mm. you want this. Yeah. It's hard to dance to the music of God's future when it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you can you expand on that a little bit? You talked about dancing um, to the to the music, you know. You were talking about the barber. You were talking about all these 
gifts that we're given instead of just utilizing those to our best abilities instead of just walking around with the Jesus t-shirt or, you know, what would Jesus do bracelets, right? Yeah, I kind of was, I kind of think I explained it a little better in the first service. The second service, I was feeling a lot of pressure because we had the baptisms that went Mm -hmm. like 20 minutes and then (laughs) I knew it was going long. Even though my sermon was only like 45, 48 minutes, Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 45 minutes long. So it wasn't that long of a sermon, but I was feeling a lot of pressure. So yeah. I was talking fast and I was, mm-hmm. and then I didn't really have time to expand upon that. I was saying things like, we need to create good culture. Yeah. Right? Because there's going to be culture in the new heavens, the new earth. And it talks about the kings are going to bring their work in to the new heavens, the new earth. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the work of the, the work of their hands, their culture yeah. that they created. And so we might be singing holy, holy, holy a lot in the new heavens and new earth, but I don't know what that sounds like. Mm. Is that a Gregorian chant or is that jazz? Is that sound like an African tribe? Does that sound like whatever they do in China? Does that, you know, mm. what is Justin Bieber lead, leading the choir on that one? I don't, you know what I mean? What, what's the style? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all the cultures of the world. So there's yeah. going to be eclectic mix. Yeah. And, and so, what I'm what I'm trying what I'm trying to do there is give people a biblical perspective of culture. Yeah. Too many Christians think that this place they're only here to consume culture. Mm. So they watch the they watch movies, they listen to music, and they just kind of hold their breath until heaven, mm. and then they hope to just go to heaven when they die, and then heaven's going to ha- somehow be like I w- I would say like a like something new as far as like like Jesus's perfect culture or something mm-hmm. instead of the actual cultural creations of humanity making their way into it. And so I, I think most Christians, they don't think about being a creator of culture mm. for their family, for their kids. Um, and so I don't know how many teach their kids to be to, to tell good stories, yeah. to write good books to create good music. Mm. Um, and then we, what do we do? We, we consume the crap the world gives us. Yeah. And then many of our worlds say, oh, that, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. And then they go follow their own dreams and they go try to get rich and make money. Yeah. Instead of seeing like all good culture, I mean, God, God is creative in himself and he created everything there is. I mean, think about all the freaking animals. Yeah. They're beetles that shoot fire. If you've ever heard of these things, like bomb, bomb, bomb something, bombardier beetles or something. There's beetles that shoot fire. God made those things. Yeah. There's fish as big as friggin' SUVs swimming in the ocean right now. Mm -hmm. You know? A butterfly begins as a freaking little worm thing and then makes its own cocoon, dissolves itself into liquid, before being turned into a butterfly. Like that's just yeah. The creative the creative creativity of God is insane. That's the kind of world we live in. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't think we capture that very often. And we talk we don't talk to our children about it, we don't talk to each other about it. And so we kind of like dismiss creativity, we kind of dismiss um the way each culture of the world dresses, yeah. the way they do their hair, the way they speak, the way they sing, the way they do jewelry, the way they make music, the way they make government, and all mm-hmm. the different things, and we dismiss it. 
And uh, I think it's a shame, you know? And so yeah. I'm trying to get our, I want our people to have a more biblical understanding of culture and the goodness of culture and get out and create good culture for the glory of God yeah. and reject the bad stuff and reject the evil and re- reject the dirty and the defiled. And Jesus says specifically, <laughs> nothing unclean will in- mm-hmm. So reject all the unclean stuff. Yeah. But, um, there is stuff we should accept, right? We should renew, we should redeem. Yeah. So there's some, there's some, some things in every culture. We, I mean, pretty much every culture, there's going to be some things that we can accept mm-hmm. because they're, they are either neutral or they're, they're deemed good by the word of God. Yeah. And then there's going to be some things that, that we can tweak and we can redeem that we could say, eh, like we've done a million or all kinds of, t- like Halloween yeah. is something that we've kind of redeemed. Even mm-hmm. Christmas, the day we celebrate Christmas is something that's been redeemed. It was a pagan festival and we took it and turned it into Christ and, and kind of made it all about Jesus, you know? And so with the Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff yeah. and, the, and, the, and the Christmas lights and we've, we've redeemed that thing. And then there's some things that you just, you just hard down reject. Yeah. You know, every culture has got things that we, we want to reject. Um, so the illustration I used in the second service was a, a barber, a Christian barber is Christian because he does his work to the glory of God and he yeah. does his work well. Mm-hmm. And for some reason in our society, we have this idea that a Christian barber is a Christian. He's only a Christian barber if he, wears a Jesus t-shirt or he shaves a little cross in your head or he shares the gospel with every person or whatever, you know? And, um, that's not a Christian, uh, vision of vocation. And so it makes it really weird for everybody else. I use the barber, uh, because my barber was sitting in the the crowd and it just came to my head, but, um, you could use it for anything. You don't, so to be a Christian author, you don't have every story doesn't have to be about Jesus, right. and that that's what drives me crazy about Christian music. It might drives my kids crazy. Yeah. They're like, Dad, why is every song about Jesus? Like, we love Jesus, but why is every song about Jesus? And there's something really weird about that, mm-hmm. because it's like Christians don't value their everyday real life. Yeah. You can't sing about love, and you can't sing about loss, and you can't mm-hmm. sing about creation, and you can't sing about whatever, you know, like all the realities of life. Mm -hmm. Why can't you sing about those things? Mm -hmm. And like C.S. Lewis was a, he was a Christian who was an author. Mm -hmm. A good author. A phenomenal (laughs) author. He was phenomenal. And now one of his stories, you know, um, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has clear Christian parallels in it, right? Aslan, you know, he's, you know, there's a sacrifice and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But everything else has just got redemptive themes. It's just got good versus evil. It's just got characters and sin and redemption and um, all the normal stuff of life. Yeah. Those are still Christian books meant to shape a Christian imagination, even though Jesus isn't in them. Yeah. J.R.R. Tolkien, same thing with, with Lord of the Rings, which I... I quoted obviously in, in my in my the reason I love his books is because he has a Christian imagination. Mm-hmm. And so those themes of good versus evil, light versus dark, um, a great epic journey mm. that's gonna be really difficult and cost you more than you could possibly pay. Yeah. There's no way you could accomplish it without some supporting roles, without somebody coming in helping you. 
even angelic help and magic help. You need some, you need God. You need God to step in. That is all deeply human and that's all deeply Christian. And so that's why that story makes so much sense. And it's why, you know, I picked that story up in the middle of COVID again. You know, I'm, I'm still reading it in the middle of COVID where I'm like, I have very few answers to all these problems. I feel way small. Mm-hmm. I can't make a big enough difference. And I picked that, that, you know, I picked that Lord of the Rings back up and I'm like, oh, just like Frodo. The ring, Frodo. The ring's too big for him. <laughs> the ring is too big. There's no way he can do it. But guess what? He puts one foot in front of the other yeah. and he does it. He thinks he's going to die. He thinks... He's going to lose everything. He thinks he's not going to be successful. All he does, he's faithful. One step forward, one step forward, Mm -hmm. one step forward. And then the author, Tolkien, works out the details. So, Mm -hmm. you know. I think it's good that you brought that up because I just feel like um, I was reading this Desiring Kingdom book, and it was it was talking about how the world is is winning in that area where it's it's winning the desires of people's souls because they just understand what people love, right? What they desire, what they what they want, and I feel like um, like you were saying, um, as Christians, we just feel like we can just do something sloppy and crappy and just slap a Jesus tag on it, be like, oh, this is good. Yeah, or <laughs> even so, sloppy and crappy. God doesn't honor sloppy and crappy, right. right? God honors excellence. But then above that, nearly every Christian movie that comes out is the same movie. Yeah. It's Christian kid gets sick, dies, goes to heaven, mm-hmm. gets sent back to earth, comes back, tells everybody they saw a white light and Jesus yeah. was there and saved them and he healed them. Okay, all right, cool. Now, I've seen that movie six times. They've yeah. all got different titles. One guy fell through the ice. One girl got lodged into a tree. One guy, it, it happens. Oh, now that, I'm okay with that. Mike, we watch those movies. Yeah. I'm thankful for those movies. It's one thing that God can do. God can break into his creation and do mm-hmm. supernatural things. But there needs to, there's a whole lot more to life than God just heals people from cancer or yeah. God heals miraculously, he heals people who fell under the ice for too long. Or God, yeah. there's, there's real life that we need to be um, showing people what it looks like from a Christian perspective. So think about this. When was the last time you guys watched a movie that had a a godly family in it? Mm-hmm. Just a godly family. You know, like just a husband and a wife who've got a couple kids and they teach their kids the Bible and they go to church and they don't cheat on each other yeah. and they don't cuss and scream at the kids and, you know, they're... Like that is a that's a that's a story of everyday life. With it, it's got all kind of its difficulties. You know, Dad works a long day at work, comes home, he's frustrated. What's he gonna do? Is he gonna sit in his lazy boy and be a turd, or is he gonna go out and play with the kids in the yard? Yeah. Right? Mom's been trying to control the the universe all day long, so she's stressed out and frazzled with the kids. Is she gonna, you know, love the kids and be gracious to the kids, or is she gonna? try to control her, her world and be demanding. That's yeah. a real story mm-hmm. that is a kind of a life or death thing every day. Yeah. We're shaping the souls of our kids. We're shaping the worldviews of our kids. We're shaping their kind of backstories and all yeah. that, you know, their, their future stories. And that's a big challenge and it's difficult. And why aren't we telling stories like that? Yeah. You know, why aren't we telling stories about, you know, 
crazy vacations that we go on that yeah. are hilarious. You know, like you could do a Christian comedy that's just freaking hilarious. I, I've got these stories about going on vacation and running <laughs> yeah. out of gas. Or riding on bikes. Or taking guys <laughs> riding on bikes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And their seat breaks off and i got to take my helmet yeah. and strap it over the seat post <laughs> so he can ride. But just so... We're all, I'm kind of, we're all, all kind of over the place here, but what we're talking about is trying to help people see the world in a, in a, in a Christian way. Yeah. That God is creative and he creates freaking, I mean, when, like dinosaurs. Yeah. Dinosaurs are real or were real. God created a world with dinosaurs in them, in it. That's creative. T-Rex and long neck. Dude. <laughs> long neck. It, but... If so, people read Narnia or people read whatever, and they're mm. all f- fiction books. There's no value in fiction books. Listen, if you if we hadn't found the skeletal remains of dinosaurs, you would think that's fiction. Yeah. You wouldn't think that's real in mm-hmm. the modern worldview. Yeah. Like dragons are freaking real. Some people still don't think they're real. <laughs> well, I can't help those folks down in Kentucky, bro. Just joking. Uh, no, some people don't think they're real. There's conspiracy theories all over. That's foolish, but um, it's they're in the Bible. Like Leviathan is mm-hmm. in the Bible. There's dragons in the Bible. There's even like I'm not even going to go into it, but creatures that we can't even describe that sound like unicorns and sound like all kind of stuff in the Bible. And so we should, our kids should have that kind of worldview. Yeah. You know that their God is that kind of creative God. They're in the midst of a story that seems to be. Far more like, here's, the, here's what I'm trying to get, get across. I want my kids to see the world far more like, a Lord, of the, like Lord of the Rings than like The Bachelor. Mm. Or The Bachelorette or who, whatever the freaking show is. Yeah. That's the no, The Bachelorette is, is a fake and phony garbage world. Mm. It's, it's, not a, it's not the real world. Right. Lord of the Rings is more like the real world. There's a serpent out there. There's a dragon out there. Jesus is going to throw in the lake of fire at the end. We have a battle against, our battle is not against flesh and blood, full of spirits, full of evil, you know, evil stuff. You can ruin your life literally every single day. Destruction could hit your family. I want my kids to grow up with that mentality of being like little warriors and warrior princesses in the service of the great King Jesus. And they're here on this earth to make something great. So Whether it's a family, yeah. a business, a book, a movie, make something great. Go ahead. So you kind of like touched on that a little bit um, in your sermon, talking about how um, we should read the Bible as we're in the story, I believe. So what does it look like for people to kind of read and see things in the gospel-centered lens that you're always talking about where a lot of people are just missing it? Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to... Our next podcast that we record, we're going to talk about, because we're, we're still in that Bible 201, we're going to talk about um, hermeneutics and how we should read the Bible, and we'll talk about how, how to have a gospel-centered lens there. Mm-hmm. But the first key piece, the, the, what I'll ju- I won't go into detail here. What I'll just say is you see the Bible as one giant narrative, yep. one story. It began in eternity with God by himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they're, they're eternally happy by themselves and a story pops in their mind okay that's the beginning of the world god is happy god is exists by himself and a story pops in his mind 
Theologians call that the covenant of redemption. Mm. God's like, I got this idea. Jesus, listen to this. Holy Spirit, listen up. I say, we create a world with galaxies and all this stuff. We create all these freaking animals. We create a man and a woman in our image, but a little different. They're finite. They're going to be finite. Give them the possibility to choose between loving us or rejecting us. Then they're going to reject us. And we could kill them, but instead of killing them, let's redeem them. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean by that? Father, what do you mean by that? We're going, Jesus, you... That's are, a good conversation. Right? <laughs> let's talk about it. Jesus, here's my idea for you. You're going to go, in the middle of this story, you're going to go to earth and you're going to show them what they should have done. Mm-hmm. You're going to show them exactly how they should have lived their life. But instead of getting what they would have got if they would have obeyed, you're going to get what they deserve because of their disobedience. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, ooh, ooh. Okay. You think he's like, ooh, me? <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs> well, and then so he says, all right, so I'm going to take on the sins of the world and I'm going to die on a cross and I'm going to let, you, I'm going to let these people kill me and crucify me and you know, disrupt the joy of the Trinity for this moment as the Father is going to turn his back on me. I'm going to do this. And the Father's like, yeah, you're going to do that because that's the only way they will really believe that we love them. Mm-hmm. And, then this, and then after you do that, Holy Spirit, we're going to send you directly into them in a new way mm-hmm. where you will, you will live inside of them. And so God and the Spirit and Christ will all dwell in them as our people, and then we'll use them, this unlikely group of people, we'll use them to fulfill the mission of God until the new heavens and the new earth. And then we'll dwell together with them in perfect harmony for the rest of creation in a new heaven and a new earth. What do you think? And the Trinity's like, let's do it. And obviously Jesus is is the one that's going to hurt the most. Well, maybe not, (laughs) because... The father's going to see that. I mean, yeah, most most fathers would probably have rather do it themselves than see it done mm-hmm. to their child. So, so that so it begins in a story, right? And so when we and so that's the story of God in a really fast nutshell, in a really fast nutshell, in a really in a nutshell, and a really uh, quick overview. And so we are in the midst of that. We are in between the times of Jesus coming and dying and resurrecting and sending mm-hmm. the Spirit. And Jesus coming again at the new heavens, the new earth. So that means we are, see ourselves now as a part of that story. We are a member of the church. We are here to embody the kingdom. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to invite others in. We're here again to hear the music of God's future and dance yeah. to it today. I, I mean, that's, I think that's so good. It, it sounds good here. I want to preach, keep talking about it, right? But why is it that when, you know, people that are not Christians here that it's like, uh, that's not really a cool story, really. I actually have never heard anybody say that. Mm. Um, most of the time when I tell people, I hear them say, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I've never heard somebody say, I don't think that's a cool story. Sometimes they'll say, that sounds like make-believe. Yeah. And I'd be like, yep, so do dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So does one little virus that we can't see can shut down the whole freaking planet. That sounds like make-believe to me. That yeah. sounds like a sci-fi mo- movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I've never heard anybody say, that sounds boring. Mm. Yesterday when I preached in the first service, I got down and I walked down, you know, I 
take my or put my mask on. I go to do communion, and, I, and this young guy, student, he's a Palmer student. I hear him say, "I can't wait to die now." <laughs> <laughs> it was so freaking funny. He he had never heard, mm-hmm. you know, a, a message about the future, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the future that God has for us in the new heavens and new earth, and he was just like. That sounds awesome, mm-hmm. you know, because most people have some kind of weird angelic spiritual idea about the new heavens and new earth. Yeah. So is there anything that you feel like you um, wanted to expand on more, but you just didn't get to because of time and there was baptism? There's a lot of things going on. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of what you were the question that you already asked about what does it look like? to create a gospel culture or to create a, a Christian culture here. Um, you know, that's the, that's the piece that I'm really wrestling with. Um, because it's going to look, part of it is just like, like creating a a Christian home and Mm -hmm. getting good books to your children and let shaping their, imagination in a way that sees the world as a fantastic place full of creativity and mystery and that they're here because God the Father wrote them into this story and they have a part to play and God has big things for you and big things doesn't mean riches and wealth and TikTok videos it means you know loving, loving somebody deeply it means suffering it means um, redeeming things. It means renewing things. It means bringing healing and bringing creativity and bringing goodness and bringing truth into a world that's starved with truth and starved with goodness. Yep. A world that's feasting on pornography and feasting on lies and feasting mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, a depraved culture. And so I don't think you can do that when you're sending your kids to a public school who's shaping their minds in destructive ways. It's going to be incredibly difficult. You're going to be just tre- treading water and trying to keep your kids from consuming Cardi B and consuming mm-hmm. pornography and consuming all the stupid stuff that the, that the world's consuming. It's going to be really hard. And so can it be done? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I'm not saying it can't be, but it's going to be really hard. And so I think we need to be um, curating the cultural content that comes into our home in such a way that we're not just sterilizing. It's not just cheesy. Like mm-hmm. Christian home should not be cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christian home should be, there should be stories full of bad stuff, like yeah. wicked people, wicked stepmothers and, that need to be, you know, their heads cut off and stuff. <laughs> That's the real world. There's really people out there like that. And and we need to, we our, our, the imagination of our kids need to have those categories of bad, good, of light, dark, of um, creativity, or, you know, boring, right? They need to have some of those categories. And so I think we need to be the curators of our home. So um, it it takes a whole, it takes a lot of reading, takes a lot of books, it takes a lot of talking about what they're watching on TV, talking about the shows that are going on, talking about what you see in the culture, you know, helping them process those things yeah. to have a Christian, Christian imagination. Well, I think some of what you're saying is show them 
that the world isn't boring, that, that creation is beautiful, that, like you said earlier, butterflies start as worms that essentially melt and reform as butterflies. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just letting them think that the world is, is boring, showing them how great it is, and then, and then teaching them that it's going to be even better in heaven. Yeah. Like yes. Just building an imagination. Yep. And with that, so this is why parents, uh, I'm going to say two things. I think we need to <clears throat> curate, not just consume culture. Mm. Parents that are, wa- that are just consuming Netflix after Netflix after Netflix, their imaginations are being hijacked by the world, and so they'll never be able to shape their kids' imagination. The wor- those are the, some of the worst parents are the ones that consume nonstop media and then tell their kids that they can't watch stuff. Yeah. It's like you're, they're, lear- they're watching you do it. So they're thinking, okay, as soon as I'm old enough, now I can watch all these bad shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to curate, not just consume. We need to um, curate our own stuff. We need to get a filter or something that. So there's filters out there. What's the thing called? What um, it just came out. It's called Angel Network. It used to be called VidAngel. It's an app that goes on your TV or your phone or whatever, and you can choose. <clears throat> like you can edit out cuss words. You can edit out sex. You can edit out n- mm. nudity, vulgarity, whatever. You can choose whatever you want. Edit it out to the detail, and then you can watch Game of Thrones. You could watch Game of Thrones with the porn taken out of it. Okay, that you're curating it. Okay, and what are you doing when you're watching that show? You're watching that show like a what's the word I'm trying to look for? I don't want to just use the word curator again, but you're watching it as a critic, mm. and you're evaluating what's going on here. Mm-hmm. What's the plot line? We know the the story of God is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the greatest story ever told. What's this storytelling? Mm-hmm. Nothing but darkness, nothing but broken characters, nothing but sin, nothing but destruction, nothing but hopelessness. Yep, that sounds like the world. And so what I'm doing in that moment is, so you said show them the creativity and the beauty and the mm-hmm. glory of the world, yeah. the world that God has made, mm-hmm. but also show them the futility of worldliness. Yeah. Show them the futility of the stories that the world is telling. Like, every story that the world is telling is broken or hopeless because there is no hope in mankind without Jesus Christ, without, Mm -hmm. he's the only one that can redeem us. So when you're watching, uh, these movies or these shows, when you see a child, this, you know, disobey their parents in a movie, you go, you just stop and go, Hey, they just disobey their parents. What do you think is going to happen? My kids will go, it's not going to go well for them. I'm like, that's right. And if it does go well for them, then, you have to pause it and stop and say, do you think that's a true story? When you disobey your parents, does it go well for you? Mm. Right? Now you, or you could see it, maybe they had sinful, terrible parents and they disobeyed their parents and it went well for them. Yeah. Okay, those parents were not honoring God. They weren't, you know, listening to God. They weren't giving, they weren't, you know, they were whatever, you know, <coughs> bad parents. So you're curating the stories that you give them and the stories that come into their home and then you're critiquing the stories that you're watching together. Ask your kids, what would have made that movie better? What did you like about that movie? What didn't you like about that movie? Do you think that wor- do you think they depict the real world? Mm-hmm. Or was that, you know, a phony, phony world? Mm-hmm. Mike, I do this so much with my kids that when I pause it, my kids go, oh. <laughs> because 
there's so many teachable moments in so many movies. Yeah. From fr- from every Disney movie. So we were watching Soul, and Soul was one of the first movies that I was like, this movie's actually got a good storyline. <laughs> this has got a redemptive plot. This is it talks about, you know, the beauty of music and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, why is beauty why is music beautiful? Why is this? You know, because God created it. God da 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 da. Mm. And I mean, it wasn't perfect, but because it had some weird, you know, heaven is weird and stuff in that movie. But it, it was the storyline was was pretty good. Mm. You know, it's pretty redemptive, as opposed to like you know Frozen or mm-hmm. or or Trolls or you know something that's just all about you being you and just displaying your creativity and just make the world accept you as you are and all this kind of stuff that they're shoving down our throats. Yeah. So. We have to curate culture, not just consume culture. Mm. We have to also, I want us to start creating culture, not just consume culture. So what does it look like from a, um, I guess I'm not for sure how I'm going to phrase this, but um, I guess some people may say like the church is culture, right? And it could be the way you were kind of raised, right? So a lot of people may not see any other culture, um, but what does it look like to um, bring in other culture, I guess you would say? So if you're wearing a plaid shirt, the culture is to wear a plaid shirt. You know, if you're wearing boots, everyone wears boots. If you're listening and reading Lord of the Rings, everyone reads Lord of the Rings. But what does it look like to bring in other cultures so that it's still a, a, still a gospel-centered way, I guess? Well, culture... Culture is the way the majority of the people mm-hmm. believe, yeah. behave, dress, listen. Right. And so without some kind of uniformity to culture, we have the Tower of Babel again. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like if, if like what up so until we get to the heaven, new heavens and new earth, we'll never be perfectly culturally diverse. Right. <laughs> because guess what? If you bring in a bunch of Chinese people, a bunch of Japanese people, a bunch of Iraqis, and a bunch of, and you put them in, look, we're culturally diverse. Guess what? We can't do anything together because we don't speak the same language, mm. right? And so culture is good because it unifies us. And so, but there's some things that, um, th- there's some things that are more important than others, yeah. right? The way we dress necessarily is not that, Im- not as important. Mm-hmm. So you can have your style, I have my style. A guy comes into the church, he's wearing a suit. We mm-hmm. could still go to the same church. We're still speaking the same language. We can we can still you know work together, etc. But it it moves up to to greater levels of yeah. importance, and you have to make decisions on the style of music, the style of service, yeah. uh, the illustrations that you use, um, the length of service. Right, mm-hmm. all of these things are culturally determined. Why do you laugh? <laughs> I just been in church where the Holy Spirit just moves for about three hours, and, mm-hmm. you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I just I asked that question because I guess when other culture comes in, it's almost not missional. I don't, I don't know if that's the word to use, but it, it kind of pushes those people away. You know, it depends, and if it, where you draw the dividing line. Okay. If if a person comes in and goes, I can never listen to a person in a plaid shirt. Well, then I guess you can't come here because I wear a plaid shirt. Oh, that's like all yeah. I have. <laughs> um, Get some t-shirts, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't wear a t-shirt on the stage, bro. I only wear collared shirts, and basically most of my collared shirts are are, are uh, 
on plaid shirts. But anyways, what you know, what kind of diversity are we looking for? Are we looking looking for like a diversity of thought? Are we looking for diversity of skin color? Yeah. Are like that's sometimes it's like some of these things are arbitrary. Like I want to go to I want to go to a church that's got every single hair color. Yeah. Like nobody cares about hair color, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for the most part. Like why why is that brown haired preacher preaching? Why is there never a blonde preacher? Yeah. This is ridiculous. I, I need a ginger preacher. Um and so there's some things that our culture has made more important than others. Yeah. Primarily, right now, you know, it's skin color. That's like the biggest one right now. Like we want to have diversity in skin you know, in skin color. And um um ethnicity, um socioeconomic backgrounds. Another one that we want to have at Sacred City even is politics. Like, um, we think that if we're preaching the gospel correctly, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, everybody else should be getting saved. And if they're getting saved, when you get saved, your politics don't change immediately, right? That's like Hmm. saying your language changes or your, you know, no, or your clothing changes. So when they get saved and they come into a missional community, they're coming in with their political baggage. Yeah. And so we want to be a church that can reach both all people, yeah. all, all people you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that's, I don't know, I'm just riffing here, so I'm, yeah, maybe I explain that, maybe not. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the sermon, guys? How did it feel overall? Like, how did when it was over? How did you feel? Um, okay, I just had a thought. Um, it was in the first part of your sermon. You were. Let me look back at it. Well, he's looking back at it. Answer my question. How did how did you feel when it was over? Small, in the beginning. I fe- something about it made me feel very very small. Good. That's <laughs> accurate. Now you know what's create. I think it was Chesterton. It was either Chesterton or Lewis who said, everybody's trying to make themselves really, really, really big. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. It's far more interesting. So think about yourself, like Jack and the Beanstalk or whatever, and the, you're the giant. You're the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. That would be really fun for approximately one day. Hmm. You walk around the globe. You could stand up and grab the moon with your hand. And then what? But think of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Hmm. Right? If you're really, really small, even the freaking backyard is an adventure. Yeah. Right? An ant is the craziest thing you've ever saw in your life. And so one of my goals is to make us see how we really are, which is very, very minuscule in the story of God. Hmm. Deeply loved, like he rescued us because he delights in us, but still really, really small. In one sense, the smaller we can become, the more interesting our world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? What else? How did you feel when you got when it got over? I felt really relieved. It's uh, if you're a character written into God's story, then there's almost less. Like, I can't do it. I'm not writing my own story. That's right. Um, which means that it's foolish to try. Yeah. Which means it's a lot easier to set that down and be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not in charge of this. And when you made the point 
of um, other people failing to um, play for, their part in yeah, our yeah. story. Play their part in their story. And You're I'm a like, supporting role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, how has that translated to my parenting? Right. And so it, really relieved to see that and have a good opportunity for repentance for some of those things. So we're all doing it. And it's even, it's a corrective for even pastors. Like as a pastor, as a preacher, you're not writing the story of the church and the members of the church are supporters playing supporting role in your story. Mm -hmm. No, this is God's church and we're all supporting roles. Every single person is a supporting role in God's story. So we are, we're sheep together with other Christians before we're shepherds. And we're not here to get them to do what we want them to do. We're here all to follow Jesus. In one sense, we have, we're shepherding them to get them somewhere. So we're, we're trying to help them obey God, but not us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So honestly, when I wrote that, that's one of the things I just love about writing and writing sermons is, the Lord leads you and you write something that seems profound even to yourself. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is how the theology for everyone podcast that we've been doing about Providence and about predestination and about covenant and about all these different things, all of that weaves into this, me saying God wrote your backstory. Yeah. You didn't do that. That's the mm -hmm. providence of God. Whether you came from, you know, a biker gang in California or whether you came from a tribe in Africa, or whether you came from hillbillies in Alabama, or whether you came from rednecks in Iowa, or wherever you, wherever you came from, all of that history that's in your DNA, God did it. God wrote it in. And he wrote it in order for you to play your part. You needed that backstory. Yeah. yeah. To be an interesting character in the, in, in, in the story of God. And to re reach who you're going to reach and love who you're going to love and build what you're going to build and write what you're going to write. Mm -hmm. You needed that backstory. I found that just profound. Yeah. And I find it again, just it's a point that may, I'm not here writing my story. Yeah. And again, parents shouldn't lie to their children and say you could be whatever you want to be, yeah. you know, because my backstory is written in such a way that I could never be an NFL lineman, no matter how much I tried or prayed or an NBA player. Right. I could never be that. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not made for that. But I could be a father. I could be a husband. I could be a CrossFitter. I could be a jujitsu guy. I can be a wrestler. I can be a, I can be a pastor. I could be a preacher. I could be a church planter. I can be a friend. This is I can be a dragon slayer. This is the the narrative that God asked for me. This is the character, yeah. the role that God asked for me. Anything else, Alex? How'd you feel when you got that? I just want to, I mean, kind of just echo what uh, Kevin was saying. Just the good news is, like, I am i don't have to be an author of my own story, you know, because I'm not a great writer in my own story. You know, I would, certain times, I would want to cut this person off or I want to not do this or I would, you know, want to move forward in this. And, you know, my life would have been reversed, but God has a plan. And, uh, you know, good news is that uh, I'm not writing it, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Any other thoughts, guys? Oh, Bryce, did you come up with that question that you had over there? No. Was... <laughs> all right. Well, I guess it wasn't written to the story. Uh, all right. So that's a little bit. This is kind of what we do um, Mondays afternoon. If you guys have any questions on the sermon, on thoughts on creativity or reading or culture, 
We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email in, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. Go out there and uh, live the story that God asked for you. Make it interesting. Make it redemptive. Make it creative. We love you guys. God bless. Thank you.